Peace. What's good, family? Pardon the delay. I had to get shit right. I had to restart my computer. What's up, beautiful mind? Miss Ravioli. Peace to the God, born eternal Lord of law. He said, peace, righteous-minded family. Yes, sir. Hey, Teacher Maria. She said, good evening and peace to you, God. Peace, Queen. A1 Drizzy said, B1. Yes, sir. Black first. Said, peace, God. What's today's mathematics? Today is Tuesday, February 14th. Making today's math, knowledge, culture, freedom, all being born of power refinement. When you know your culture, it frees your dome and gives you the power to refine others. Mm, peace, God. Knowledge born of law was good. Yeah, I meant to text you back, God. We we gonna do it. We'll make it happen next week. Black excellence and all that. Make sure you click that like button upon entering. Click that share button. Share with your peoples. We're gonna talk to the brother, then we're gonna get into some current events. Yes, sir. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back to the Godcast. I'm Lord Jamal. Um, you know, some of y'all is probably uh, celebrating this fake holiday and shit. I didn't even realize when I um, scheduled this interview that it was going to land on today, which is some of y'all's fake love day of valentine's day um yeah you know we don't fuck with that around here that's some european shit you know what i mean we love our queens each and every day each and every way um and we don't need no fucking one particular day to uh to fake act like we loved them what's good ep i see you brother um so anyway so yeah let's get right to it i got my brother in the house um i first met him through my young god uh supreme mcgriff jr uh when he when they came to do a interview at the other podcast that i produce slash direct 371 podcast shout out to giovanni lavish t um and yeah this is just a, a brother that that i met is an interesting brother and i think y'all would think he's interesting too and and i think y'all need to know who he is and know what he's about and see what he's getting into so listen without any further ado um i'd like to introduce to the god cast uh former supreme team member 
turned film producer Luke Steffen. Peace, my brother. Peace, brother. How are you, King? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Yes, sir. Great to see you, brother. Great to see you. Now, to be clear, I know you used to run with um, Supreme and all that. You were a member of the Supreme team? Yes. Um, actually, I was a member of Fat Cat's team. Mm. But we're all family. Right. Okay. So, uh, yeah, let's get into that because I definitely met you and 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 thought you were someone well, that you ran with Supreme. Even well, though, did, yeah, I guess they all ran together did, at some we, point, we, right? We did. We did run together. Kyle is like a godson to me. His son. Um, right. So that's the reason that he told me to come up there with him. Mm. That's that's my godson. Right. Just to make sure it was all good, and 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 you see. We laid yeah. it out and you know what I mean? Everything was gravy, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, so so tell me about your life. You came up in Queens. You from Southside, uh, Jamaica, Queens? I'm from Southside, Jamaica, Queens. I'm actually was born in Haiti. And mm. uh, right before high school, we moved to New York. We well, first we lived in Boston, then we moved to New York right before high school and been Southside ever since. Mm. So tell me about that. What 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 years was this like when you moved to Southside? Late seventies, uh, early eighties. Late seventies. Mm. Late seventies, like seventy eight, seventy nine, I believe. Mm. And New York City, at that time, um, was the New York City yeah. that we yeah. see, like in movies and yeah, New York. Was. Wow, like like. The Bronx was burnt down. It was mad abandoned billion buildings, heroin, and you know what I mean? Dust and all that was crazy yeah. on the street. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The heroin and the dust was crazy. Long okay. was before the crack. Before the crack, it was before heroin. Crack, it was the heroin. And dust. And really, dust. heroin was crazy. Yeah. The dust was crazy. crazy too. Um, we used to, uh, I used to sell scramble. Um, when I first came out, I mean, I was in school, played basketball, got A's. Um, mm. But the New York City fast life was a little faster than Boston, a lot faster than Boston. And I got kind of caught up into the mix. Uh, my my idols became a different type of people. It wasn't the sports figures anymore. It became the street people. Who were your idols at that time? Like, who was the dudes that y'all looked to, up to on the streets? like the Supremes and the Fat Cats, the ones that came before y'all, who was y'all looking up to? Um, I would say like Ronnie Bump, Pop Freeman, the mob. You mm. know, we was, I was into the mob. Mm. Like uh, every single mob movie that they had, it was like I would just sit down and, and just be a student of that history and that tape and try to model my life after them. Mm. If you're just joining us, we're with former Supreme Team member. Well, actually, he ran with Fat Cat. He's former Southside Jamaica Queens Kingpin. Is that? I wouldn't say I was a kingpin. I mean, he was getting bread from what I, I hear. I was, I was getting a lot of bread there. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so I mean, it's, it's, I mean, but I look at it, it depends on your terminology of king, king, kingpin. Kingpin to me is like. Runs the whole shit. I'm not runs the wrong shit, but it's like he runs the whole shit. I said, yeah, he runs. He, I mean, 
I heard what you said. I mean, I'm just trying to put my thoughts into words to bring okay. it out to the audience. So um, I would say, yeah, the, the kingpin runs the whole shit, but you know, everyone gets a lot of money, but it, it's a it's a separate thing between the kingpin and everyone else that's getting money. He's getting money, <laughs> you know, right. like, like Fritz was a kingpin, Cat was a kingpin. Uh, uh, Peace, heck, nine, flat power. Prem was a kingpin, you know what I'm saying? In his time, um, Nikki Barnes was a kingpin. Frank Lucas was a kingpin. Um, in my eyesight, in my thought pattern, these were some of the kingpins. You know, Ronnie Bump, like I said, as far as like black, that's what I'm I'm looking up to. Right. Well, I had heard. I guess a rumor or a story about how much money you might have been making you me. making okay a month and to me that sounded like a very high number, what where, was the number? where to me it sounded like kingpin status what you know was what the I mean? but uh I, it was like a million a month I heard is that right um I would say maybe 300 okay so that's way off from right from what the kingpins is getting but that's yeah. still a hell of a I lot mean, of like i've been money, i've been bro. around cat and counted a million dollars for his profit within a week at within times a week like we had a you know the spot that we had on the block it might be me him his niece we might have had our stuff up our drugs upstairs maybe a half a million bagged up that's like a day and a half mm. two days that's that's how that block used to move. I mean, it was just a, a different type of climate. Now, I just want you all to understand, we're not telling these stories to try to glorify oh, no. that world or anything like that. We're just bringing clarity to a past story and all that, because it's going to end up somewhere. The ultimate place that this story is going to end up is very far from drug dealing and all of that. So that's why he's even here. If all... Uh, the brother had to offer was just <laughs> stories about, you know, being around drug dealers and dealing drugs. That's not really the type of value that we have here at this channel. But mm -hmm. um, at the same time, you know, I was young and impressionable at that time. And I was, you know, I actually had some dudes that moved from Southside Jamaica, Queens to Nurishell, where I grew okay. up. You know what I mean? And also, my enlightener was from Hollis, Queens, who moved to Nourishell. Um, So I had this Queens connection, and these dudes was always talking about Supreme Team and Cat and fucking, uh, you know, the rumor of the bulletproof baseball hats. Now, did I ask you about that? <laughs> yes, you did. Was that, um, was that, was that, that is something? A, that is a fact. That's not that a is a thing. fact. There were bulletproof baseball hats. Talk to yes. me about that. Um, I mean, Mr. Cheeks made it line, made it famous in the line bulletproof baseball hats in one of his yes. songs, the Jeeps, the Benzes. But on the streets, that was like a big yo, they got bulletproof baseball hats and all that. I mean, at the end of the day, if you look at it, uh, the way it should be looked at. I mean, how much protection could the bulletproof baseball hat give us? But I mean, in your mind, you so, thought it was some fly shit that exactly, maybe was gonna help you. Right? You got the bulletproof jacket on, along with the bulletproof vest. Like they had bulletproof 
a store that had bulletproof gear. Mm. People was bulletproof in their cars. So, I mean, um, that was the climate. I can remember, I think one time I was out on a violation and I used to ride around on my bike, bulletproof vest, playing basketball with a bulletproof vest on. That was just the climate back then. Crazy climate, because when you think about it now, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even deal with anything like that. You know what I'm saying? So the, so the climate is basically you, we're, we're damn near out of our minds. The drugs is not helping because that's keeping us out of my mind because who would be daring enough to do things like that? It really doesn't make any sense. Mm. When I look at it now. Right. But back then, when you're in the moment, like this is it. This is what it's about. Right. So if you're if you're running with Fat Cat and all of that, Back mm-hmm. then, then you're also around people like Pappy Mason. Of course, yes. Mm. Yes. Tell me about <laughs> tell me about dudes like him because you know he seemed ultimately he's the one. It seems like his actions are what triggered bringing yeah. down that whole uh, thing that was going on in Queen, really in New York. Like that shit reverberated through the whole New York. Once it's not they, only New uh, York, the whole the whole country. Right. Once they killed that police officer. Yeah. Pappy Mason was um he's the type of person he's not taking no shorts, uh, no bullshit. He's going to he may ask you one question. Like I would say, like he's not even gonna ask questions, he's just gonna get to it. But he may ask you one question, but if it don't come out right, he's just gonna get to it. He's not gonna ask you two questions. I put right. it. <laughs> um you know, uh, he he was from Alabama also, I believe. Uh, oh, really? Yes. Originally, um, he studied under the Rastafarian. He did seven years out of a three and a half to seven. So he did all seven. That's the type of person. I mean, I... I That's before I he was even out on the street, like, doing... That was, that that was that before know. he... Him and Cat was in Sparford together. Mm. And that's where they met. So Cat was a war counselor for the seven crowns pap was a warrior so they got along so i was in jail when pap first came around so when i came out pap was working security at the game room that's how he started Mm. then as time went on uh cat gave him a piece of the projects because we had a, a base house on like 110 and 160 and 40 projects mm. and uh my man jug had uh had the spot first and I think Jug had to break out. He started going down to Baltimore and other places to hustle and he gave that to Pat. Pat took it from there. So when when Pat fucked around and ordered that murder on that police officer, mm-hmm. how did that affect you directly? Um, it caused me to fall back from the group. I was locked up when it happened. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, again, I can remember being in the day room, seeing it on the news, everybody turning around, looking at me. Cause you know, they're talking about Jamaica. I had a gut feeling, I uh, made a phone call to Kat's sister at the time. And, you know, she was like, whatever these crazy motherfuckers and, other situations, like, I just kind of like, okay, you know what? This is getting kind of crazy. Let me fall back. Um, 
and I fell back. So I didn't call the house no more. And that's why I was not in that indictment that they caught in jail because I stopped calling the house and stopped telling my people like to mm. go around there um, because I seen that future coming. Like it's one thing for us to make money and have a good time. And it's one thing for you to kill non, non-taxpaying citizens. You kill non-taxpaying citizens is not a problem. Mm. When you start messing with law enforcement and taxpayers, it becomes a problem, especially law enforcement. The heat is coming. Um, the heat that didn't need to happen. I mean, and that happened after the parole officer. So first it was the parole officer. So I'm like, still like, and then that, that was just enough is enough. Like, uh, I don't, I don't need that much in my life. I like to make money. I don't like to have beefs. I'm not the kind of person that's going to like, if you argue with me, I'm not the type of person that's going to go toe to toe with you arguing either. I'm going to feel that I'm type of in danger and I'm going to react or I'm just not, I'm just going to dismiss you and not pay you no attention. Mm. You know what I'm saying? That's the type of person I am. I'm not, I don't like confrontations. If it's a confrontation, I have to end it quick. Me personally, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I'd rather, I'm not like the argument. I'm not going to do the argument like the tit for tat and how people do online and all that. Right. I'm not doing all that. I'm just going to sit back and if it's really that much of an issue if we see each other and it's and and you're acting a funny way then i'm gonna react i'm not even gonna be the first one i'm just gonna sense what your body language is telling me and what the universe is telling me Mm. you know what i'm saying because i come in peace wherever i come i like money i like Mm. to make money that's what i do the other stuff i just stop with all that so how did you end up uh basically turning things around you um um you were in jail you fell back from cat and all of them well i mean i don't mean to cut you off that time from that day because me and cat were co-defendants we both got arrested in the grocery store we were partners in the grocery store mm. when i did that big because we went to trial um i beat the big charges i got convicted of the guns and some weed so i had three and a half to seven um, I did go and testify on his behalf because our case got split up. He still blew. Um, I guess I wasn't too good of a witness because, uh, you know, they can't charge me again because that's double jeopardy. So, of course, when I came in, you have to remember it's like I beat that. So, you know, when you beat a case in trial, you get that feeling of invincibility. So now when I come home, I want to be a better crim- I'm going to be a better and stronger criminal. I'm mm-hmm. not going to work under no one. I'm going to do my own shit, which is what I did. And I came back to the projects, um, but I was working like on 107 and 160, and I did these things called these two-for-ones with red valves. And people was coming all over because if you're selling two-for-ones, all the other smaller hustlers, they can buy and double up their money. So people's buying packs. I'm having moving lines. You know what I'm saying? Mm. That's the way the situation was. Um, Fed started picking up some of And the- I used to see these movie lines when I was young. And, yeah. and it used to be like, God damn, like that's a line for crack. Yeah. Like, like, holy shit. 
Like it used to be crazy. I used to see that shit in Harlem. Fucking, mm-hmm. I seen it in Queens before. I seen that shit many places. They had the movie line shit. What you talking about? Yeah, retarded. Yeah. So, um, uh, they started to take the workers down to Brooklyn, and I live in Queens. Um, I had a mentor at the time, Chaz Williams. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. Black Hand, right? Yes, Black Hand, mm-hmm. and um. You know, he he explained to me like, "Hey, listen, they are taking their workers to Brooklyn instead of to Queens, and we're in Queens, which means that's federal. Like, they're on you. Um, so you need to shut that joint down, um, which I did. Uh, parole started getting on me around the same time. They wanted to put me on intense supervision, and I decided to uh, I'm gonna go on the run." And I started hustling in Baltimore, then Virginia, then South Carolina, North Carolina, Alabama, Atlanta, uh, mm. for the last the next eight years. Mm. Well, I got tired of being on the run. Um, I was on the when I was on the run for for parole. You know, the feds started like closing in. Like I didn't know what it was for. I thought it was for a drug case that I might have caught along the way. Um, unbeknownst to me, some people had robbed a bank and a person close to me had put me within his situation, um, I guess to save his ass, because he basically said, I can help you get some fugitives, put me into the robbery. Um, when I end up turning myself in, that's when I found out I had a bank robbery. Um, that you didn't know nothing about. I knew nothing about. He, he you know, he took me out of it. Out of, he took me, he put me in it. Um... And, you know, I mean, basically he just said, listen, these guys used to be with Fat Cat. It was about this. It was about some money. Put me in it. Um, I got five years out of it. And the only, reason I, the only reason that I got that little time was they started putting together that he was lying because I had no DNA in the truck. Um, you know, it was just different things that didn't add up. But the fact that of the people that I used to run with, they wanted me to do some time. So it was like I could go to trial and take my chances. And my lawyer explained to me, he said, listen, you're not guilty, but you're not innocent. And like, let me speak to my kids, which I did. And my kids was like, you should take the time. And um, I just basically was like, okay, this is for the shit that they didn't never catch me on. Right. I'm going to have to pay for it. And that's what I did. That's how I was able to accept during the time instead of whining like I ain't got it for right I didn't do this shit I didn't do the bank right I didn't do that but I did do some shit I did some shit so like you know what you know things got a way of coming back around so I'll take that because it's still a bargain for everything right right right. I'm saying and then it takes all the other stuff off me because I'm 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 running so I'm doing a bunch of different situations so it's like you know what let me get rid of this because this will take care of known and unknown. So basically, it they helps you karmically up. too. It helps to clean you karmically. Yeah, yeah, because that's not a good thing. It's like, and that caused problems with me and my seeds because I'm not at graduations, I'm not at proms, I'm not here, I'm not there for the important moments in their life. So when they're watching TV and seeing how fathers are, whatever, it's like I'm not a good father. Mm. And it caused it 
trauma within them. Like my, you know, imagine you were a kid and they kicking the doors in. Mm. Everybody lay down. That's not right. a good. That's not a good. That's way. scary for the adult. Imagine yeah. a child having yeah. to go through that. Yeah. So you know, I came home in uh, like 2006, and you know, some of I have I had four kids. Some I was able to repair. Um, one, you know, we still haven't spoken in three years. So the effects of what was happening back then still affect what's happening today. You know, like if you go somewhere, they'll tell you some of your behavior stems from your childhood. That's what you bring it with you. If you All don't right. pay, if you don't peel back them layers on that onion, you may not even know why you act the way you act, but a lot of it comes from my childhood. So I still got some repairing to do with one of my daughters. You know, the other three, good, got three beautiful grandkids, one from each one. Mm. Um, and I just try to be there more with them because it's like a, a second chance to, to do the right thing. Because I didn't do the right thing the first time because my head wasn't in the game. Did you have a street name back then? Spoon. Spoon. Mm, okay. Um. Real quick, were you at that famous party that we always see? Yes, sir. That's mm. when I came home in 84. So that was a party for Prince or for uh Prince? That was a party for Prem and, and Wall. Mm. How 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 was that night? Like <laughs> incredible, uh memorable. It still stands strong today. What? Uh this is 84, 40 years later. Right. It's still the talk, well, 39 to be exact, but it's still September will be 40, but it's still the talk of the culture. Because it was like hip while hip hop was just starting to come. So you had not just starting, but it was just it, it was coming out with records like Curtis Blow, AJ, One uh, DMC, yeah, Melly Mel, all that was just starting to happen. I seen a a, a, a video where LL was in the crowd, yeah. like he wasn't even big enough yet to get yeah. on stage, yeah. <laughs> but he it's was there, like just doing the knowledge, like happy to be in the party at all type yeah. of shit. Yeah, that was, I think Nas found that footage. That was in the Supreme Team documentary. Correct, 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 correct. Damn, so you was on the stage and all of that. Yeah, we was, they, 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 we, we, that's Prince party with the stage. Okay, right. I, I locked that's up on violation then, but, um, you know, like all those parties, that's when everyone had the anchors. Right, the anchors. Remember the anchors back then? Wow. The anchors, they had the anchors. And that's when dudes still was putting on like suits and shit like that, fly yeah. collar shirts when they wanted yeah. to get fly. Like, yeah. you know what yeah. I mean? It wasn't just like some street shit. Like niggas that actually get fly, like yeah. AJ Lester and all that type of yeah. shit. You know what I mean? Huh? I said you said AJ Lester's. I said Layton's. Mm. You know what I mean? That's all that old school fly shit. Yeah. Um. So, so fast forward, how do we get into film producing? Okay, so after I do my Fed bid, uh, I cut home and Kat puts me with Curtis School. 
Schoon. Yo, Schoon is my man. Yeah. Shout out to Schoon. Shout out he, to Curtis Schoon. He let me read actually a script that he had. 1013. 1013. He wanted me to play Pappy. Pappy. He wanted me to, when I had dread still, yes. he wanted yes. me to play Pappy. Yes. We uh, um, that's that's the reason we did uh American Gangster. Mm. The reason that I did American Gangster is because we had 1013. And we were trying to push the script, so we're trying to bring attention to the Fat Cat organization. That's funny. I was going to ask you if you knew Schoon, too. I mean, you had to. Like, yeah, of course. Well, I mean, when he put us together, it was basically like he was so far ahead in the game, and I'm just coming home. It's like, well, I try to do something myself when I could get in the car with you. Right. And boom, he put me on American Gangster. I think he was the consultant. The next year, he became a producer. Boom, made me a consultant. Mm. And we've been so now you in the same type of foot. He went from a consultant to a producer, and then you went from a consultant. Yeah. So um, then we went, and uh, me and him did. uh, I worked with him on Black, White, and Blue, which you're in. True indeed. True indeed. And now we're working on a joint called Born the Box, and this weekend. We are traveling to uh, interview Sammy the Bull to talk about the mob and boxing for this documentary. So, oh wow, that school has not helped my career is an understatement. He mm. has put me in the right places in front of the right people. Very smart uh, individual. You know, I learned a lot from him. Yes, sir. Shout out to my man School, man. I was in the A for for a small little second, and and we mm-hmm. was in the same neighborhood. And used to see him working out and shit on Sundays. I'd be mm-hmm. running my dogs, he'd be running around the track, and we just start building. And, and yo, he's he's definitely a good brother, man. Yeah, definitely I've known a good him for brother. Some years now. So, um, I did that. That's like two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Uh oh. Okay, there we go. Yeah, that was the phone ringing. I tried to get into like uh, restaurants for a minute, transportation. Uh, created my own company, Second Chance Enterprises. Like so you had money ago. saved. It's safe to say, yes. Little something. Little something to to put into little businesses here yeah. and there. Good partners. So I went to uh, after I started developed the company Second Chance. We went on and we did. Um, Comedy shows. Okay. Ray Dijon, uh, my man Wax. Shout out to Ray Dijon. Yeah. Rip Michaels started doing comedy shows and um, did that for a minute, a little party promoting, but it still wasn't kind of clicking how I needed it to click. Uh, Another old friend of mine invited me to help him out with a restaurant he was trying to do because mine didn't work, work out well, which is Vibes, which is in Queens, which is still working right now and Chaz introduced me to someone with film and I started to do the uh started doing films we did a couple of independent projects on our own um not really knowing what we was doing just getting kids in the neighborhood and people in the neighborhood to act and um we started uh well like money and violence type of joints like yeah yeah yeah. we had a joint that was called pray before you eat okay Uh, we did about two of those uh, then me and Sweet T wrote a short film called Circles. Shout out to Sweet uh, T. Yes. 
good friends, and we did, um, I think we won an award at an urban uh, film festival. Not the urban film festival, the urban, uh, I think it was for streaming, something like that. It was, a, it was a while back, but the short film won an award. It was pretty cool. Uh, then Shaft gave me a chance and a budget, and we created Sister's Keeper. He put me with a writer. We created a series called Sister's Keeper. Uh, shot 10 episodes. Shout out to Shaft and KSR. Um, he gave me a shot. Um, we did that. Then I met Don Kwan from Brooklyn with another director, Sean Baker. And we created, we did a feature called Better Than My Last. It still hasn't been out yet. Uh, that's starring Hassan Johnson, but it's, it's getting ready to drop. Just, you know, sometimes we do these films and don't, it don't happen when you want it to happen. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But the whole it's thing in the can is, for a second. Yeah, you got to, you know, it's, 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 it's a lot to it. You know, it's not just shoot, boom, boom, boom. Here's the movie. You got to color like, yo, that sound ain't good. You got to fix that. So sometimes it, it might take a while. It might take two, three years um, when you're trying to put something together and you're trying to make it magical. What's good, Celeb Niels? I see you. Um, so let me ask you. Um, what exactly is the job of a producer? Because oh, yeah. it's different than being a director. Yes. Or definitely. you know what I mean? What does a producer do on a film? Me, when I'm producing, I try to take all the headaches away from the director. Mm. Such um, as? Such as egos. That's one thing. I got to smooth everything out. So... Another thing a producer is going to do is I'm going to secure the crew. Who do we want to be the DP? Who do we want to do sound? I may have to secure money. I may have to find investors. Um, I may have to find um, the actors, the talent. You know, I may have to organize, like, they may want their main talent. I may have to get the surrounding talent. Mm. You know, that's going to make up the embody of this whole feature because you can't just do uh, a feature film and you got you got to have people in the background you got to have right. you know someone got to be sitting in the chair someone got to be walking down the block it's not just the three the leads yeah it's the yeah it's a whole ensemble of people yeah so you know after we after i started doing uh, after we did better than my last um supreme gave me a call because he wanted me to help him with his documentary mm. uh, on his case. So sometimes it's difficult to work on the documentary on his case, but because where he's at, people are constantly getting killed mm. every couple of weeks. So they're always getting locked down. So what would have been a quick process and possibility a year has been going on maybe two, maybe three years because He's hands-on with this project because he'll, you know, he told me, he said, listen, bro, this is my life. Like, let me run point. You know, you can run some stuff by me, but let me have the final decision. Got to give that to him because it is his life. You know, Absolutely. he's not really on some, I'm trying to get home. Like, you know, I need to show this. He just wants to put his truth out. And he wants the world to see what the government would do when they really want to crucify him. Mm. So he had a, 
an EP, an executive producer that was helping them out at that time. This is when we first started. His name is Yui. So I got a shout out to Yui. Yui came to me and said, hey, I want to put you on this other project and produce it called Send. Send is not out yet, but we have an incredible cast. Uh, Lou Gossett, who's an Academy Award winner. And Lou Gossett's still doing it. Oh, and he, he, he and he killed it. He plays a blind painter, and you know he's like I said, he's like. How old man. is Lou Gossett? How old is Chicken George? Lou Gossett has got to be, I would think, in his eighties. He can't go all day. He can only go three hours. He he can only go about three hours. You know what I'm saying? And then he gotta chill out. Um, but he's still a phenomenal actor, a uh, great person for you to have on your cast. Um, also on that cast, we have Johnny Blaze, Angel Love, Bella Black, Sean Nelson, Rip Michaels, Mark Juan. Mm. Did I miss anyone? Cayenne. So it's just a dope cast. We're just waiting for the finishing touches to be on there, and that's probably going to really accelerate my career so meanwhile while i'm waiting for all that to happen supreme gets mike tyson to be an executive producer he gets irv to be involved and gets michael payton who did the murder inc documentary on bet to mm. become involved so i'm surrounding myself with top echelon people that i can call speak to so you know i'm slowly i'm, I'm on the grind because i constantly work but they're putting me in a place that I can only dream of being in, and I'm I'm, I'm eternally grateful to, you know, the, the Chazes, the Schoons, the Supremes, because if they didn't open these certain doors and put me with these certain people, I wouldn't. We probably wouldn't be talking, because it would be like, oh, this guy's still doing uh, Chitlin Circuit movies, like he still got his stuff on YouTube. It, it wouldn't even be worth what's happening. Um, well, that depends on who, you know, sees the value in it. You know what yes. I mean? You know, just because your shit is on YouTube doesn't mean that it's some bullshit. That's it true. just means that, you know, you might not have the <clears throat> kind of distribution that somebody else has. But if you you put out quality work and people can really see it and, you know what I mean? You're I not you. making some shit that looks like some chitlin shit. You know what I mean? That's You're true. actually paying attention to, uh, you know the 180 rule or the rule of of thirds when you're when you're uh, filming and shit like that directing and shit like that if you know about how to you know shoot over somebody's shoulder and then come back from the, if you know how to do all of that shit correctly and make it look right you know i, I can I, ask where it's coming from you know what yeah, I, mean? I just i just directed a joint uh we just wrapped yesterday we started on the 25th called self-destruction shout out to my ep bug out that's the first joint i like directed it by myself. Sisters Keep, I was a co-director with the writer, but self-destruction, I just brought that out by myself. That's gonna be like a spoof comedy. Oh, I that's really right, I'm sorry. Hang to that. Go ahead. Not to cut you off, but Lewis Gossett was Fiddler, not Chicken George, he was Fiddler. Remember? What movie? Fucking Roots. Oh, yes. He was motherfucking Fiddler, he was the Fiddler. Yes, he was the fiddler. Of course, I said Chicken George. My bad, my bad. He was the damn fiddler. Chicken George was uh the other dude. Um, 
the Lavar Burton, I think. Yeah. Yes. That was Chicken yes. George. Yes. That was Chicken George. Okay, pardon me. I just said yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> you know when it comes to you gotta like put that shit out there. So it's for the right. king, for the king, because yeah, Louis Gossett. Matter of fact, he either grew up or was living in Mount Vernon. Really? Yeah, and like so that made us love him too, you know, because I grew up in New Rochelle, and if anybody from Westchester do some shit, we'd be happy. Like you know what I mean? So like yeah, nigga, Louis Gossett from Mount Vernon. Like you know what I mean? Like. I remember some some kind of pride like that about Louis Gossett. But anyway, I did I digress. Um, all good, all good. So you directed you directed the sin you said was the one no, you directed. Directed self destruction. Self destruction. Ebeni Nazir is the one that directed sin with Louis Gossett and, and um, she she was the director. Um, it's a female based movie um i got a shout out to writer dutch also um known as his, his, his other name is kwame teague he's a phenomenal writer he's been in jail 27 years um and he writes some fire i've gotten three of his scripts that's getting ready to be produced besides sin we have another one called cream that we're getting ready to shoot in raleigh north carolina the end of next month um and that's getting financed through dennis reed and d2 productions nice so it's coming together how does it feel when your uh when your ideas come to reality like when you're sitting on a fucking set and there's all these people working and you're like damn you know a lot of this was just some shit that started in the mind, like we was planning, and now here we are. Like yeah. you know what I mean? Like it's a, it's a, it's an awesome feeling. Um, I mean, if you go back to my past, even though it was the wrong way, I still gave people jobs, mm. and they was able to make a living and take care of their family. And I'm still doing that now, but I'm just doing it the right way. You know, right. it's it's. it's I've always had the reputation that if you deal with me, you're going to eat. And if a person is dealing with me in this film, I'm going to give you some exposure. You gonna have to bring your talent. I can take you to the water, but you won't have to drink it. You won't have to make your performance stellar and I can make sure I'm going to surround you with some stars. If this is the people that's unknown, you know, I can give you opportunities. And as far as like the crew members, you're going to have opportunities to make money. Hmm. I ain't gonna ask you to do me a favor. The only favor I might ask you is don't charge me that much, but you're definitely gonna make money. So when we go back to talk about making money, you said you used to give people jobs and stuff. It just makes me think about the whole crack shit. Like there's a lot of devastation that was caused yes. by crack and that whole crack era. Um, did you, did you kind of realize the level of what y'all, what, what y'all was no. doing at that time? No. Only thing you cared about was the money. You didn't care about anything else. That's just like if a person, um, like sometimes like say a person's attitude may be, if it's a friend, right? 
Like, why I'm not going to take his money, he's going to give it to someone else. So I might as well take it. Right. And I'm not saying that was that was mine because, I mean, again, coming up in the 70s, you, you got high. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We used to go in the stadium and sniff, do whatever. You know what I'm saying? People smoking woolers. Like, you know what I'm saying? That, that's just was common for our, our time period. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, crack was very devastating. It destroyed uh, a lot of homes. Um, it really, you know, like, even though they say that it was a mental thing because they said that heroin was more of a physical thing um, and would get into your body and cause you, but the mental that crack does to you was very destructive. And I've seen people do more for crack than I've seen people do for heroin. Mm. Like heroin would take a, a while for things to happen. Crack could happen like this. <clears throat> right. It's the baddest chick. She's, you know, she's going down on a man for a dime. That's a matter of moments. Like the chase, and you're only chasing that high. That first one. It's not never going to be the same. I see heroin to have you down when you're doing it. Like when you're actually high on heroin, mm-hmm. you're not running around looking for more heroin in that moment like you just you just enjoying what the fuck you just gunned in that you know what i mean yeah and then later on like and then later on if you don't have it that's what might lead you to oh shit i gotta get some and that's what might lead to the crime the crack niggas would smoke the crack and get all hype and ready to do some shit right then while they're high on the crack like yo i need to get some more right now let's go do some shit while they're fucking high and that was kind of a difference uh so yeah and that that's what made the crime rate kind of go up right crazy kind of crime started happening because like you said once they got high it didn't take a matter of moments because i want more with the heroin they could just chill out be mellow wait a while could be hours depending on what it is you know what I'm saying? I mean, until they get hooked. Once they get hooked, then they got to keep using it because they're tolerance. But crack, you'll be like a, a bouncing ball. See, like I told you about these dudes who um, who moved from Queens to Nourishell. Mm-hmm. And they was young. Like, like we was young when I met when I met the older one, he was like 14 and his little brother was like 12, but his, mm-hmm. his brother looked older, but these niggas were sniffing pee. I never really liked the pee because it made me throw up when I tried it. See, I didn't like it either. I tried it with these guys. Now, if y'all don't know, pee is heroin that you yes. sniff, okay? But now they wasn't saying it was heroin in my defense like i didn't knowingly know at that time it was heroin they was like yeah we're gonna get some pee pee blow you know what i mean like and they're like oh yeah what's that? like oh it's like coke you see because one of them was a slick nigga that would try to get niggas hooked so that you can get high and he'll help you'll help you get high. you see him saying if you're hooked now he got another partner to help him get high 
So remember one time we went to the South Bronx, like Jackson Avenue or some shit. Went and got some pee. You know what I mean? Got on the train, sniffing the shit. On the train? We were sniffing the shit on the two train, bro. Mm. Little young motherfuckers, 14, 15 years old on the mm-hmm. two train. Um, and I'm like, you know, because I'm used to being up, like shit that'll keep me up. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not really, I'm not feeling what I want to feel. And he's like, man, this shit good. You don't know what to feel. He nigga got mad. <laughs> he got mad at me and told me I didn't know what to feel. I was like, I don't like this shit. And I was glad that I didn't like it. Once I, I go, hold up, Pete, this is heroin. Like when I found that out later, I was like, these motherfuckers. Well, you, like, well, you know, back in the day, that was the, um, damn, what's those blue pills that we take, the sex pills now? Oh, yeah, uh, Viagra. That was the Viagra back in the oh, day. Oh, yeah, because that's what these niggas would see. Yo, you sniff that pee, boy, you were killing the pussy, boy. Yeah. What? Oh, you hit it with that pee blow, dick? Man, blah, blah. <laughs> that's what he used to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what he used to say. You're right about that. Wow. See, only only certain people of a certain era even know about shit like this. Thank you, Gene. I said peace to the God cast. Appreciate you. Um, yeah, kick the trolls out, uh Zambian. If somebody's trolling, have no fucking problem with kicking so, them out, bro. So how do you how do you know when a person is trolling? Because they say all type of stupid shit. Oh. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's why they'll start saying dumb shit. Like, so how do you see? Oh, you get to see the comments that they do. Yeah, you you can see them too. You should how be able I? to see them. Is there a a tab that says comments? No, I see chat. Yeah, well, chat. Yeah, that should be it. And then you should be able to see people's comments on the right. Oh, okay. But then I can't see you, so that's all right. Oh, (laughs) well, yeah, I got a thing where I could see, I could see you, I could see the chat and all of that. I'm on the I'm on the phone. I didn't get on the computer. Otherwise, Uh, I would see that. Yeah, that's probably only only thing I see is when someone is donating. Uh, right. Well, that's because I put it on the screen. Like if I click on it, like here goes another donation right here. So I click on it. And so now mm-hmm. you can see that. Gotcha. Uh, B41. Thank you, sir. Boston in the house. My son is up in Boston, actually. <clears throat> so let me ask you something. Uh, you had to be exposed to the gods and shit, you know. Oh, yes. What was your... Uh, what was your connection to the gods at that time? Did you ever have knowledge of self? Um, I think I attempted to study the lessons. <laughs> uh, the 120. Because, um, uh-huh. you know, in, in Queens, they used to be at the library all uh-huh. the time. And it was very prominent, you know, quarter fields and, you know, everything else. And where I was staying at. Uh-oh, you must be getting a call. Hang on. His phone's ringing. Nah, I took it off. I mean, okay. you know, um, I don't know. How, I guess I had to do airplane mode or something. I don't know if that would have cut you off, but I'll get back to them. Um, yeah, um, they was very influential and prominent. I never became a five percenter, um, but I would try to study what they was learning. Um, I'm a person that likes to learn. Um, it's not like I, I didn't eat pork. I didn't do uh, any of that. 
Um, I later on became affiliated with, with Islam um, and took a Shahada. Mm. Um, I just haven't been practicing my, my deen. Um, but that's the furthest that I've, that I've gone. Um, I don't know. I can't. I mean, was there influence? Of course. You know, you had Supreme and the gods, God be Supreme, a few other people, a lot of mm-hmm. people. So I was cool with a lot of the gods. Did I, I think I asked you this. <clears throat> if you ever heard of a, of a, of a brother named God Math that yes. used to rob banks. Yeah. Well, most of the gods were robbing banks. <laughs> Yo, all the gods was robbing banks. My man Divine, one of the two that I was telling you about that moved from out there, he used to always talk about the god laugh of how this dude was robbing banks and shooting guns like this. You know what I mean? <laughs> like hitting the fucking hitting the uh, the trigger like that type of shit, like the, the hammer and busting a gun like that, like he used to tell me mad stories about this god math, and he just. He made this dude like a bank robbing superhero. <laughs> so I always wanted to know about somebody that might have actually knew uh, God Math. Yeah, I'm sure that I'm familiar with him. Um, but I can't really put my hands on uh, like, like, I lost exactly. your camera. Wait a minute, let me, I can get this. There you go. Okay. There you go. Yeah, so you said the gods was robbing banks. Robbing banks was was, was kind of commonplace back then? Well, I mean, in the late 70s, I, I can remember bank robbery was crazy. I can remember me having the fake attache case, like, you know, I'm going to go in there and say there's a bomb in here because people was robbing <laughs> banks left and right. Right. So this is before the bunnies coming. Like I'm young, and then there was another cat. I forgot his name. He was a guard. He just robbed the joint. He comes in the park with the moped and Adidas suit, and is like, "Yo, I gotta do that. What is that guy? What did he do? He was robbing banks. Like, you know, you go up there, then it's like, no, I can't do this. You know what I'm saying? Yes, because I'm telling you, we had the same. Conclusion, like I remember the God sincere was like, yo, God, this building's full of money. They're called banks. (laughs) Like, yo, we should just go and that's where the money's at, God. We should just go get the money. And yo, we literally started like looking at (laughs) all you had to do was pass a note back then. You didn't even need they was robbing banks Uh, left and right. That's what made them start putting up the partitions. I'm glad there was no partitions back then. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't do mines either. But you got to remember, back then, ain't no no glass in front of there. Right. You you like, you pass the note, you do whatever. So did that thought ever cross my mind? Yes, it did. Now, we did follow people out of the bank before. That I didn't do. Yeah, we did that before. We did that. I'm not going to. We was young, man. We was young. I I started creeping after that. After the turnaround, I I started finding a different way that was less uh, time and and, um, less of coming in there and getting your face videotaped. And I became a a slave before I started hustling drugs. That's what's up. So... Man, 
first of all, the game is not even like it used to be. Oh, no. Like, That's like all. with all this drug dealing shit. Like, what do you say to a to a fucking to a kid now who thinks okay. he's gonna fucking be a drug kingpin or some shit like that? Uh, like, like uh, who who wants to get into it right now in okay. the age we live in with surveillance and 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 every fucking thing? Like, what's your advice to these fucking? Okay, I'm gonna just do a quick story, um, and then I answer that. When I was young, and I was getting a bunch of money, old times said, "What you need four and five cars for, man? You can only drive one car at a time." Thank right? you, Rabala. And um, now, when I see a young boy that's already in the mix, and I'm telling them what you need all that jewelry for what you need all that, what you call it for. Like I used to think the old man was washed up. Now, now I'm the washed up old man. Mm. Like you, they, some people want to get it from their own experience. Like they don't want to hear it. Like the youth today, you got to be doing something. Like you, like maybe I'm getting to that place now where they listen, but they don't want to hear your experience and what you did in the street and all that other stuff. They don't care about none of that. They, um, it's about like, what are you doing now, and why am I listening to you? Right. And if don't you don't have much you show me now, then why I'm then listening? Why to should you? I listen to you? Yes. Yeah, because you just because you failed. Like that ain't gonna be me. And that's just how their mind thinks. Now, if they're in before high school, I think that okay, you're able to talk to them. You know, or if they went through an experience where they got arrested before or got arrested and, they, and they're on the edge, they may listen to you. But someone that nothing has happened to yet, to make them change their life, they're not trying to hear you unless you're a Lord Jamal. Or, and shit, even they don't always want to listen to me. <laughs> well. See, they try to cut, they try to cut the youth off from the wisdom of the elders. Um, they try to make it seem like, you know, are y'all just some old hating ass niggas? Like, you know what I mean? <coughs> they wanna they wanna cut the youth off from the wisdom of the elders. Um, <coughs> and act like we just some old hating ass niggas who, you know, we're in the past, we think in a in an antiquated way, and you know, this is 2023. They always fucking you know announce the year it is as well, if you know well, that's how I was. When I was <laughs> that younger. changes certain shit. That's how I was when I was younger. The old man telling me don't do this and that. It's like man, he ain't getting no money. And you like man. nigga? It's that. 1981. <laughs> <laughs> this is how we do it. Yeah, they're not gonna want to hear it. You know, listen, I'm gonna just say. The other day, when I was shooting self-destruction, mm. I went and I'm shooting in Baisley Projects. Young brother comes downstairs. He's like, yo, what y'all doing? I said, we shooting a movie. Nah, but what y'all doing? I said, what do you mean what I'm doing? I said, we shooting a movie. How you shooting a movie in here? Who you asked to shoot the movie with? I'm like, yo, bro, I'm <laughs> from South Jamaica. You ain't from here. I said, I'm from all over South Jamaica. <laughs> I said, how old are you? I ain't got to tell you how old I am because I don't know you. I said, bro, I was been out here before you was born. Who's your mother and father? The man didn't want to tell me who his mother, father was. And he he was like, y'all better not be here when I come back. 
Wow. So it's like he tried to goon y'all. Listen, he mm. left. You know, he said he lived there all his life. We didn't we didn't move, we finished. But instead of I made a call. Like, you know what? Let me call King of Kings, which is the Furtado's organization. Let me call Erica Ford's organization, Life Camp. Shout out to Erica Ford. Let them let me call them to say, hey, this is what's going on. I don't want to go to jail. Um, he he doesn't know who he's speaking. Matter of minutes, you know, they might have been like 10 and 10 people coming, like 20 people, trying to find out who it was. The kid was from there. Matter of fact, one of the things he said was, he said, yo, you ain't no OG or nothing. I said, you know, yeah, I could see if you was eyes or something. And I said, bro, I used to be with eyes and them. And I'm, I'm trying to, like, let me speak to you. But he's like, nah, I don't want to talk to you. He said, well, that was then. This is my shit now. Mm. I said, um, and I'm still trying to speak to him. Like, yo, bro, let me speak to you. Even when he did his threat, I said, hey, let me speak to you. He now, how hard is it not to let your ego take take control at this moment and be like, nigga, you know who the fuck I am? Like, you know what I mean? Like, like, well, how it's hard a, it's, is this? It's, it's a different breed. Like, he's like, later on, I find out he's like 21, 22. Mm. You don't give a fuck about Erica Ford. Now, the people like my godson's age, like Kyle and them, they know Erica and they respect her. But these little niggas fucked her. You understand what I'm saying? So Kyle's the one that straightened it out after the fact, like he mm. found out who it was and he said, yo man, you gotta call me because these young niggas, they don't care about that. And he didn't. And he was like, yo, I'm glad it didn't escalate because the nigga had something on him. Mm. So if I did that, he, he wanna shot me. Right. Because that's just their temperature now because they don't know. But again, like, I think if I was younger or at that age, if someone said, let me speak to you and I'm calm, I would speak to them, you know what right. I'm saying? But it's like, they don't even want to hear you nowadays. So I'm just saying that as an instance, when you're telling me, what would I tell someone not to do whatever? You can't. Mm. You can't. He didn't know me. I ain't famous yet. Now, if I was famous, like, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I'm on your joint. I did a, a Vlad, so maybe you might be like, oh, shit, that was the nigga that I was arguing with. And maybe next time I say he sees me, it'd be like, oh shit, what's up? I didn't know. Just like the dude was saying, like, yo, he didn't know. Like, all right, that's cool. He didn't know. Like, what can you say when a person doesn't know? And that's that's what they mean by forgive them, father, for they know not what they do. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I can tell you, I'll tell you a, a quick war story. I think what year is this? This is when I came home, is this this is 2006. I go to see my nephew. I'm driving my man's Lexus. A nigga taps on the window and says, do I got a light? I say, no. The other nigga comes from the other window. Get out the car. Right? I get out the car. I got the car back because whoever took the car, I guess they knew my girl's son at the time or whatever. They found out it was me. They brought the car back. I think me and Prem was on the phone and I'm like, yo, this nigga, you know, Whatever, whatever, young boys, he, and, and you know, Prem was like, well, they ain't know you, so you can't fault them. My other man that was out here is like, no, we got to teach them a lesson. But, bro, he didn't know me. It's like, the dude was saying, like, my stomach is touching my back, bro. Mm. Like, I'm hungry. Mm. 
we ain't know who you were. So again, and it's like, but he didn't know. Don't what up? My man and then was like, nah, bro, fuck that. We gotta teach him a lesson. Like, right. come here. He, he smacked him. You, you understand what I'm saying? That's 2005. That's almost 20 years ago. That was that kid's temperament. This kid's temperament is a different temperament. It ain't the same. So it's like, you can't just go like, I'm this and I'm that, and this can't nothing happen to me. That's why they'll tell you, like, the hood don't love nobody. Because it don't matter who you are. Because, again, the kid's explanation to me was, my stomach is touching my back. Thank you, Dwayne Rhodes. Yeah, that's... uh. <laughs> Yeah, and at that so, point, if you ain't feeding them, like why they gotta respect you? So mm. yes, I feel that this community needs help. They need jobs. It ain't just about telling them. You have to show them. You can't just tell them don't do this and don't do that. You have to give them an alternative. Like okay, if you don't do this, you can work over here. Like King of Kings, Life Camp, they give people jobs. They get their grants and they give people jobs so the kids can make money. They have after-school programs for them. I can't speak about anywhere else. I can just speak about those two groups because I'm familiar with them. And they work in my old community, which is South Jamaica. And they're doing a hell of a good job. And they help contribute with the movie because part of the movie theme of self-destruction was at the end, they're giving away, they bringing back and dropping the guns in the garbage they're giving back the drugs and dropping in the garbage. Got them to be involved in the ending of the movie because the movie comes from self-destruction to self-construction. Mm. And that's the theme of the movie. So even though it's a comedy, I'm trying to send a strong message with the movie. And again, that's written by Albany Nazir, who was the director of Sin. Um, I'm just trying to do something different. I'm trying to I'm trying to do things that's going to last a lifetime in this culture and leave a legacy for my grandkids. They can say, "Yo, pop, pop," you know, he was a filmmaker, like you know, and and it'd be good for them, right? You know what I'm saying? My kids, you know, the ones that's cool with me, they accept me and they're good, but you know, they're adults now. So they both, you know, they got their lanes of what they're doing and how they're living it, and they all right. I, I just want to do something like some dope movies, dope TV shows, dope documentaries where I made them young and proud. Well, I told you I got an idea for a documentary. We're not going to talk about it here, but uh, don't forget that. Okay. <laughs> I'm telling you. That's some, oh, no, no. That's, it, it is, some it is, shit right there. It is a good idea. You told me about the idea. It is a good idea. Yeah, man. Trust me. Uh, thank you, beautiful mind, for the super sticker. Well, listen, bro. We uh, we appreciate you for coming through. We support you in uh, you know, everything you do. And we're gonna look out for um, anything produced by Luke Stefan or directed or directed. All right, you got. Did you, you ever think free. about getting behind the camera, like yeah. in front of the camera? Oh no! I, if if you go on Tubi now, there's a movie called Everybody Dies. I play a pastor. Okay. It's a little kid. He's ten years old. He's kind of possessed with this spirit, and um, he kills me. <laughs> but that's nice. That's my, 
that's my acting thing. It's a pretty good movie. It's only an hour and 10 minutes long. You guys should go check it out. It's on Tubi now, streaming now. Shout out to True Life Films. That's my man, my partner. Uh, he directed it. Um, and my other man, Frank, we produced it. Uh, we shot it. Like, we got a little crew, and we make it do what we do. And uh, we come out with some really dope films. You know, so you guys get a chance. Y'all can Google me. Um, you can follow me on Instagram, L-U-C-R-S-T-E-P-H-E-N. Google Luke Stephan, and you can see the different projects I'm working on and follow my journey. I think it's a pretty dope journey. I think I've lived quite a life, and I was, I'm was i thankful to God that I've been able to live at least two lives in one lifetime. Well, yes, sir. We appreciate, uh, you know trying to show people from going from self-destruction to self-construction you know that's definitely a good theme right there and uh, mm -hmm. i think that's where we need to leave it you know thank you for having me definitely, definitely appreciate man. you thank you for coming through uh now where could people follow you um um twitter and instagram luke l-u-c just put a uh luke L-U-C-R-S-T-E-P-H-E-N. That's my Instagram. L-U-C. L-U-C. Uh-huh. R-S-T-E. S-T-E. P-H-E-N. That's Instagram and Twitter. All right. That's it. I, I do answer DMs, um, especially if, if I'm not on set. I will answer you sometime. I answer all of them unless you're trying to solicit something or you're trying to get me to click on something because I do not click on nothing on social media because you 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 uh you scammers or something else like yeah something else listen I've had people hit me with a fat cat page and a supreme page talking about like yo homie like send me two hundred I'd be like yo bro wow you people no it's me for real I was like bro. I help them create their pages. I know who runs them. Like, what are you doing? And then they block me. <laughs> but I don't click on nothing on social media. Nothing. That's crazy. Well, hit the brother up. Uh, follow his page. And uh, so you can be abreast of what he's doing. Uh, thank you for coming through, brother. Ladies and gentlemen, Luke Stephan. So, 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 Lord, how do I, how, how, how do I get to watch this? Like, when I wanna, uh, is I'll it just live and that's it, or do you post it? What we just did? Uh, well, it's it's gonna be up on my, uh, it's up on the YouTube. Probably, I might chop some of it up too and put out little segments of it and all of that. You know what I mean? Okay. So, um. Yeah, you'll be seeing it. I'll let you, I'll, I'll send you a link or something like that, or I'll tag you on the IG when I put it up on IG and stuff like that. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right, my brother. All right. We'll talk soon, brother. Yes, sir. All right. Luke Stephens, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> All right. So... I wanted to take the time. Damn, I really want to. Kind of want to get a coffee before we talk about the bullshit. 
Um, but fuck it. Let's let's just go. So, as you know, in the past, I have um, been one to vocalize my opinion about uh, bullshit fashion <laughs> that they try to push on our people. I think I single-handedly stopped men from wearing skirts in hip-hop. Um, well, now here seems to be another thing that needs to be stopped. I'm sure you've all seen this bullshit. Um, and that would be these motherfucking Astro boots. These Astro Boy boots that cost $350. Now, niggas is actually wearing these shits. Like, <laughs> some people are actually wearing these. I don't give a fuck how much some shit costs. Yo, that shit looks fucking retarded. Oh, Papa Smurf foot looking ass niggas. You motherfucking. <laughs> Yo. That shit looks like a, a like a game piece or some shit on your fucking foot. What's that fucking game? That shit looks like a piece that I seen a video with a nigga five year old foreign. Damn, they had to lie down and somebody had to was trying to pull these fucking rubber things off his fucking feet. Y'all gotta be kidding me with this shit. Right now, <clears throat> I'm telling you, don't let me catch. I don't care who it is. Don't let me catch none of y'all niggas with these fucking boots on. Or you're getting screamed on. Okay? I'm sorry. Even if I know you and we cool, ha, 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 ha. Yo, bro, don't let me see you with these fucking big red Papa Smurfs on. We're not doing it. We're not doing it. We're not just going along with anything that they introduced to us. Okay, so let it be known, Lord J has killed another fucking, um, another fucking fashion bullshit. Yeah, it's over, okay? It's over before it started. I'm not letting it happen. Take your fucking Astro Boys and get the fuck out of here. How could you even run in them shit? How could you? <sighs> Imagine the police was chasing you. See, this is why they want niggas to wear skinny jeans and clumsy boots like this. <clears throat> uh, 
Oh, I didn't see nobody wear a kilt to the Super Bowl. Did they? Who wore a kilt to the Super Bowl? Juju Smith Schuster. I don't even know who the fuck that is. Truly Zambian. Um, now I'm talking about these crazy ass boots. Thank you, Dwayne Rose. <laughs> Do they double as a flotation device? At least I doubt it. I fucking doubt it. They'll probably weigh your ass down, help you drown faster. Um. And it's funny because your boy Yeezy had on some big black boots, some big black leather ones. Not long ago, he was rocking some crazy shit like that. And niggas was laughing at him. And now these same motherfuckers, they just turned them to red and made them rubber. And now it's okay for them. Shit is fucking crazy. All right. That's all I wanted to talk about with that. Um... Oh, I know what I wanted to bring up. Let's now shout out to my man, MC Shan. Shout out to MC Shan. One of the realists out here. Um, Let's just say. He had a little choice words for certain people who back in the day said that they don't fuck with uh, the Grammys but yet ended up being part of the Grammy celebration. Chuck D, who has been on this show as well. You know, somebody I definitely looked up to back in the days. I definitely was disappointed in seeing that they were a part of that. Um, let me just share this with y'all real quick. Um, and then y'all give me your thoughts on it because I think my brother Shan has a point here. Let's go. Too time for your soul. Hey, check this out. Allhiphop.com. Now I'm going to tell you to kiss my ass, right? Because y'all niggas is trying to make some shit that I said fucking wrong. I said the shit. Any motherfucker that was in that picture that protested the Grammys, right? Back then, if you was there, nigga, you a fucking sellout. Okay, to yourself, not to me. I don't give a fuck. Oh, I'll share you, mad They ain't invite you. Fuck you. Y'all niggas been trying to erase me forever. So why should I give a fuck about what I got to say? You dig what I'm saying? So now, here's how it works. Oh, Shan said this in trying to... Motherfucker, Chuck D said back then, I don't give a fuck about a goddamn Grammy. So if Chuck D was at the motherfucking Grammys, Chuck D ain't a nigga that I can really fuck with. Because you switch and you smithed and changeable like the rest of these fuck niggas out here. So don't get mad at me for calling a spade a spade. And I'm not saying that Chuck was there. And anybody that it was in that picture was protesting the Grammys. And it's still 
No way fucking fair to their fucking careers. Now it's called a good look. And you know what a good look is? A good look comes for free, motherfucker. And you better take that shit and parlay that shit with your manager and see if you can make some money out of that 10-minute fucking presentation we just showed your ass. All right? So, yes, I said it, and I'm standing on that shit, period. If you saw them motherfuckers who protested it one time and now they're glorifying and accepting that shit, these ain't niggas I want to fuck with anyway. So if you want to try and push me under the bus, motherfucker, let me help you. I'm going to lay down on the concrete, nigga. Fuck out my face. One time for your mind, two time for your soul. Hey, check this out. Allhiphop.com. All right. Y'all gonna tell you to kiss my ass, right? My guy, Shan, boy. MC Shan. I remember distinctly back in the days, um, In a in a public enemy song, he said, Who gives a fuck about a goddamn Grammy? Oh, my shit's out of sync right now. Um Yeah. You know, that's what I'm saying. Like hip hop had a lot more um what do you call it? A lot more morale, a lot more um a lot more soul. Ah, integrity. That's the word I'm looking for. Hip hop had a lot more integrity back in the days. And we were standing on shit. Like in certain ones of us, like me like really bought into certain shit. Like I've never been to the Grammys. I've never been to a Grammy party, not a Grammy after party. Like I literally was one of the ones like, yeah, fuck the Grammys. Like, why would I want to go to the Grammys? They don't even respect my music. They're not going to fucking nominate me for nothing. So why the fuck do I want to go to the fucking Grammys for? For what? You know what I mean? And this was before I, you know, back in the days, I used to purposely, like, I didn't want to wear a suit and all this type of shit, I, you know. So I used to purposely like to go to places where they wore, you know, tuxedos and shit like that and not have on, like, army fatigues or some shit on. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, but all that Grammy shit, like, I never fucked with none of it. Um because I was from that era where we didn't fuck with the Grammys. You know what I mean? But somewhere along the way, along the lines, you know what I mean? People's messages change. Like I always, I, 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 I kind of want to ask, and, I, and Chuck, man, I, oh, I got so much respect for Chuck. But I just want to know, like, do we still not believe, like, don't believe the hype? Is that still true today? Should we still not believe the hype? Is it still channel zero? You see what I'm saying? Like, like, 
Is it still fuck Elvis? Like, there's a lot of shit that was said back then that people, you know, started, like, living their life according to. And then it's just kind of disheartening to find out, like, damn. Oh, no, we're not turning our back on P.E., don't get me wrong. But it's disappointing. It's disappointing when... um when you just see a certain transformation that I don't feel is necessarily for the better, you know, us accepting the Grammys and them giving us a little uh, shout out or whatever, you know, after trying to thoroughly shit on us, they didn't even want to give us a Grammy. Then when they started giving us Grammys, they didn't even want to televise it, all kind of crazy shit. Like, I gotta go know your history about this shit. Um, they were shitting on hip hop like, like you couldn't believe. Yes, that noise is my boy drinking water in the background. It'll be done soon. Um, so yeah, I just thought that was interesting that MC Shan brought that up, and um, I don't know if all hip-hop and them try to crucify him for it but um i just thought it was a nice little uh point that he made there so moving on <clears throat> congratulations to the kansas city chiefs for winning the super bowl over the philadelphia eagles now you know, I was hip to the fact that, first of all, they're saying football is scripted, okay? It's an entertainment company. They can legally script these games and get away with it, like, and have legal, no legal, re you'd have no legal recourse. Hey, Teacher Maria, she said, I forgot to say peace to your dogs earlier. Oh, thank you. Um, Appreciate you. Um... So, now, if y'all don't know, the stadium that they played the Super Bowl in in Arizona was the State Farm Insurance Stadium, okay? The same company that does the State Farm Insurance. Guess who State Farm's, um, one of its main spokesmen for State Farm is? You guessed it. Fucking Patrick Mahomes. Don't you think it's a little coincidental that the Super Bowl is at the State Farm Arena and then State Farm's guy wins the whole fucking thing? I don't think that's a little coincidental because I was told before the game that the Chiefs were going to win for that very fact. And, you know, as many of you know, I've kind of backed up off of football the way I used to fuck with it. But I decided I was going to check this one out. I was at the crib, nothing else to do. Um, I knew Riri was going to be on the halftime. I said, let me check this shit out. <clears throat> 
And yo, the Eagles started out strong, you know? And uh, I'm like, well, maybe these motherfuckers is wrong about this whole state farm, you know, that the Chiefs are going to win. Maybe they're wrong about that. Because the way the fucking Eagles came out immediately, boom, scored. But then boom, Chiefs scored. These motherfuckers is going back and forth, back and forth. Then they have the drama at halftime. Uh-oh, homeboy hurt his fucking foot or some shit like that. Um, Not knowing if Mahomes was going to come back for the second half. You know, trying to add drama to the script. So after the, the little satanic celebration... <laughs> Hey, Maestro Fresh West, thank you, my brother. As always, we appreciate you, King. You are now a Godcast veteran. Um. So yeah, after after watching fucking Riri, and I mean, we could talk about Riri and all her. You know, she looked pregnant. Her performance was lackluster, like she wasn't trying to give all her energy to it because maybe because she had the baby in her. But then why she got all this red on and with the little white sperm cells running around, it was just weird. Like it was fucking weird. Um, and how they made the like the men and the women that were dancing for her, they you know, it was almost like androgynous. Sometimes you didn't know if it was a woman in front of her or it was a man. They all were moving in the same kind of way. Like, that shit was fucking some weird fucking shit in its own self. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Second half is when I feel like I felt the change. I was like, hmm. It just feels like, uh, like, you know, maybe the Eagles were now told to pull back or something. It just didn't feel, it just felt like, oh, shit, here it comes. And sure enough, they let these motherfuckers win at the very end by a fucking field goal. And 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 once they won, I was just like, yo, all the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players. Okay, football's fake, y'all. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if it's all not fake. Like the NBA is also an entertainment company. It's all. Why would you classify yourself specifically as entertainment companies so that y'all can do shit like this, so that you can legally uh, decide the outcome of games? And maybe it's not every game that they just, maybe they let them play some, but certain ones, that shit is decided. I'm hearing they got a script for the whole season, but you know, y'all need to look into this. Have y'all heard about the magnetic gloves as well? Have you heard about this? That they got magnetic fucking gloves that they use to catch these fucking footballs, one handed to make these. Amazing one-handed catches. Have y'all heard about this shit? Yo. These motherfuckers are lie about all kinds of shit. Somebody said they, uh, Melvin Payne, they scripted all the Super Bowls and NBA championships. Allegedly. 
you know, we don't want them coming at us. Um, but I don't think there's, there ain't no coincidences like that. Like they said that these motherfuckers, that this State Farm spokesman was going to win the goddamn Super Bowl. And see, I'll be damned if he didn't win it. But now they're saying if they found out he took some drugs or they gave him some shit so that he can get back out there that, that you know, they could take it from him and all this type of shit. I don't know, man. All I know is that shit was mad shady. That it was in a State Farm arena and the State Farm spokesman wins the fucking, the fucking game. So, y'all figure it out. Um, so now let's go to Riri. She does her fucking um. She does her Super Bowl performance and um. Yeah, and it turns out she announces after. She announces after the um, the shit was done that uh, ASAP Rocky done sprung that up again. Um, with that little belly bump right there that we all kind of could see. And we could see she was going through the dance moves all half-ass. Uh, A1 Drizzy said, do I know who Bob Le Lazar, white ass, is? Nope. Who the fuck is he? Yeah, I don't know who that is. Um, Dwayne Rose said, the angle of that stage went back and forth as a regular cross and an upside down cross. I would listen. I don't put nothing of that past it. They had our floating shit on. Man. First of all, we know red is that low vibrational color. Well, if we're dealing with chakras, that's dealing with your lowest vibration. Like, why would you have her dressed in red? And if you're pregnant, right? Why would you want your baby exposed to that? All the energy that was just in the air at the fucking Super Bowl. Like, why would you want that? Uh, it's fucking weird. It's fucking weird. Um, but shout out to ASAP Rocky. Uh, you know, he doing that shit like a real New York nigga boy. <laughs> He know he got he got he got his hips bad. He's making sure he's good. He gonna be in. He doing like like a reverse baby mama shit. Like he gonna have as many seeds. Make sure he's all up in that Fenty. He sprung up again fast. He said, "Pull out why." Why? We already have one. Let's do it again. 
Dwayne Rhodes says she followed up what Sam Smith did at the Grammys. See, I still haven't watched most of these Grammy clips, not even the hip-hop one yet. But I did see a piece of that satanic Sam Smith bullshit. Um, and all I can say is they're just getting more blatant with the shit that they do, man. They're getting more blatant with letting people know who they are and what they're about. Um, so moving on, um, so now the next new bullshit that they're on is this whole wanting y'all to believe that they are shooting motherfucking UFOs. <laughs> that they're shooting UFOs out of the sky. Oh, let the laugh track laugh, boy. Yo. Okay, so they're setting you up for what's called Project Blue Beam. Okay, I may have spoken about this before. Project Blue Beam is where they, the government, not just our government, but governments around the world are going to conduct a fake UFO attack on the people using three-dimensional holograms um, and real weapons. Um, they want you to, now all of a sudden, they want us to believe that aliens really do exist and they're in contact with them. Um, and that even though, you know, from what we know about extraterrestrial crafts and things of that nature, that they can move crazy fast and all this type of shit, you know, they can disappear, you know, but these motherfuckers, you know, can apparently shoot these ones down. You know, they want us to believe that they're shooting these motherfuckers down. Um, so I'm saying get ready, y'all. When you see something in the sky that appears to be a fucking alien spacecraft, it's not what you think. Okay, and you got some religious people out here be like, no, that's real. That's the mothership and all this. Type. No, it's not. Stop it. Stop it with all that shit. Okay. If there are crafts, um, they're not from outer space. First of all, they could be extraterrestrial, meaning, uh, you know, other land beyond the land that we know. But there is no outer space crafts. That's number one. Uh, number two, um, they would talk about balloons floating and all of that. There are no satellites, people. There are what are called satellites. Okay, there's satellites that 
are up there by balloons. They're they're high above the earth, but they're not in orbit or anything like that. They're just high flying balloons. Some of these balloons are able to fly for 300 days or more. Okay. Almost a year. Some of these joints can fly. Um, and I believe some of what they're shooting down could be these satellite balloons. Um, and they're not going to even want to talk about satellites. Um, but go ahead, look up satellites, uh, and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Um, I just don't want y'all being scared. I don't want y'all to have any fear and believe that, you know, aliens are about to attack us. See, Project Blue Beam, see this whole shmam shmemic was kind of a dress rehearsal for trying to get the world to come together as one. We know that they want a new world order and it's they want a one world government they want a one world religion they want a one world currency so the shmam shmemic was designed to try to make the whole world feel like oh we're all sick we're all in this together you know, the whole world is affecting the world. We need to come together as a world. So now when you get these fake aliens fucking making attacks on the on the planet Earth all over the world. Oh, it's going to do just like uh, Armageddon and all these fucking movies where you know, humanity has to come together as one in order to fight against the aliens. This is how they fucking trick y'all into some bullshit. Don't fall for it. This is going to be your own people attacking you. There are no UFOs. Definitely ain't no UFOs that these motherfuckers can shoot down. <laughs> okay. Um, and when you and when they finally reveal this, just remember, this has been something they've been planning for years, just like the New World Order. We heard about this in the 80s. And now here we are. 2023, and we're seeing the shit being unleashed before our eyes like they just incrementally slowly little by little pushed it pushed it pushed it now new world order when they're re where they're literally trying to redefine what a man and a woman is they're creating a new order for what a man and a woman is they're creating a new order for everything. That's why they told you during the Shmam Shmerik that the new normal, the new normal for the new world order. So part of this new world order is to scare you into believing that there are um, aliens that are going to attack you. And trust me, they do have um, 3D holographic technology right now that um, 
they could shoot up in the sky and make people be like, no, but I saw it. It was right above me. Like, so don't fall for the banana in the tailpipe, people, please. Because I'm telling you, that's what the fuck they, they, they doing this for. And that's what this whole prepping is for. Um, but also, let's uh, talk about another reason why they want us looking up at, at satellites and shit like that. Um, Because what they're not really talking about is the train derailment in East Palestine, East Palestine, Ohio. Um, <clears throat> that ended up, they ended up doing like a controlled burn of some chemicals that basically has contaminated the area's water. Fish are dying. Wildlife is dying. There was a crazy plume of smoke that, uh, you know, apparently some sort of toxic uh, fume of smoke that went up. And from what I understand, it's traveling east, like towards New York and shit like that as we speak. Um, Yeah. Let's see. When did it happen? February 3rd. The train derailed in the village of East Palestine, setting off evacuations and a toxic chemical scare. Um, so they're saying that the water in that area actually feeds maybe like six surrounding states. And now that this water may be contaminated to the point where people may be taking showers with flammable water. Water that can actually go on fire. But they got us worrying about <laughs> UFOs and shit, but they, a bunch of you probably not even heard of this which is crazy look it up um and apparently the the company the train company who this derailment happened with is the same one that its workers were threatening to go on strike because of conditions where they felt like they knew something like this could happen Remember, there was the train going to be a train strike and, and, and Biden had stepped in and fucking um, somehow averted the train strike. But apparently this is what they were striking about. That the conditions were dangerous and they felt like some shit could happen. But now I'm also hearing that now, now I'm also hearing that after this, just recently, 
There's a similar type of train derailment in the Houston area. Have y'all heard about this one? What's going on, people? It's 2023. <laughs> y'all love to act like, oh, you know, 2023, you know, my motherfuckers are so advanced. Why are we having so many train derailments in 2023? I ain't heard this money train train derailments in 1983 why the fuck you would have this many in 2023 shouldn't the, shouldn't the train technology be better right now should we have less train derailments what's with all these fucking train derailments all of a sudden and all these eggs and shit going sky high oh, what's all of this is this is are you trying to tell me this is a coincidence? So we got two train derailments, both unleashing toxic clouds in two different areas. Nah. Come on, man. Ain't that much uh coincidence in the world, man. When they do an investigate, who watches the first 48? Put your hands in the air. Okay. When they do fucking um uh investigations on the first 48, the police tell you there are no coincidences. <laughs> there are no coincidences. Like when they come across something that seems like a coincidence, they follow that shit up because usually it's not a fucking coincidence. There are no coincidences. So cut the bullshit. These motherfuckers is derailing shit on purpose. These people are attacking the food chain on purpose. Why? What does the devil think he's going to do when he kills all these people? Does he think that he can live without original people? Do you think, does he think they could even exist without us? I don't think he believes that. You know what I think he's doing? I think the devil knows that he has a limited time on this earth. And this motherfucker is just trying to take out as many people as possible before his time is up. It says in the Bible that the devil has a limited time on the planet earth. It says in many, um, you know, books that this devil has a limited time. So he's trying to gather up as much motherfuckers to come with him as possible. Trying to lead them down the wrong direction and lead them down the, the, the road of death. So he got you eating poison, thinking poison, breathing poison, injecting poison. Poisonous motherfucker. He is a poisonous motherfucker. Um, so yeah, look more into this train derailment and these train derailments. Um, yes, hearing poison. Oh gosh, are we hearing poison? You are right. 
they're actually attacking all our senses with poison. If you really think about it, all your senses are being bombarded with poison. Mm, mm, mm. Mm, mm, mm. Ain't that a damn shame? They said whales are washing up in Jersey. Oh, man. So how, I mean, I didn't forget. I definitely was going to get to this, but let's get to it. So the other day, we lost our good brother from De La Soul, plug two, our brother Dave, True Goy, passed away at 54 years old. Uh, his government name was David, David ja Jacquelier. I hope I'm saying it right. Um, True Goy the Dove, man. Like, oh, so dope. So influential. Um, man, I just remember hearing the first time I heard De La Soul was Potholes in My Lawn. Potholes in My Lawn. And it was, uh, man, I forget where I heard it. It was like one of those, you know, off-brand channels. Like maybe Mr. Magic played it or somebody like that. Um, and I just remember the first time I heard De La, I was just like, wow, this is different. And like Dave has the first verse on that. You know, it's his verse that really pulls you in on potholes. Just the just his his vocal quality and just his whole delivery. Um and just their their the their lyrics, the way they would just rhyme, it was just so, you know, abstract, like alternative, just but it was still dope. It was still some hood shit. Like, ah, oh, it was hard to explain. Like, um, and I just remember wanting to hear more from them, you know? <clears throat> and then when me, myself, and I, and that whole album came out, it was like, wow, you know? These guys really opened up the door for, you know, <clears throat> self-expression. And they gave, they gave us a way to express ourselves that was not so stereotypical. Um, 
like with the at, at that point everybody had rope chains and you know what i mean kangos and shit like that like you know there was like a a, a a rapper's look you know there was a certain look that rappers had um and these guys just kind of came into the game and was just like nope we're just gonna look like regular dudes you know what i mean like actually we're gonna look like regular dudes that got a, their own little weird edge to it you know what i mean they almost was mixing that house style with you know a house music style with a hip-hop style and yeah and i know they were definitely they were inspirational de la soul was inspirational to brand nubian as far as when we saw that that's when i was i had took off my jewelry at that time like i still was wearing jewelry and shit and then i was like you know what we started taking photo shoots like when we got signed um yeah we started taking photo shoots and shit and, and i'm taking my jewelry off because that wasn't the wave no more this 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 felt like the wave this type of you know what i mean so we and then when we got signed the studio we was working out of was the same studio that fucking De La and Tribe and all these motherfuckers is working out of. So it's like, wow, we coming to um, we coming to, to to sessions and you know sometimes these niggas is going overtime, so we just sitting in their session listening to their shit and vice versa and you know, motherfuckers got real. We got real cool. That's why a lot of people think that. Brand Nubian is part of native tongues, or although technically we're not, we never was officially in no native tongue, but people kind of put us into that, um, into that grouping because it was a lot of the same shared energy that was going on um, at the time. Um, I can remember doing so many shows with De La Soul. And I got to tell you, when De La Soul first started doing shows, and they'll probably tell you, they were not that good. <laughs> they were not that good live. Um, but when I tell you that De La, you know, they just kept grinding it out grinding it out they get they went from having not so good a show to one of the best shows to one of the best shows in hip-hop and these guys non-stop touring since they put out their first album like college circuit loved them white people loved them fucking overseas loved them like wreck like just everybody fucked with De La Soul. And they spawned so many of like, of these new rappers, like, like, like the Kanye Wests and all of them. Those people are direct descendants of De La Soul. Um, people like Pharrell, um, you know, the J. Coles and, you know, all those type of people, man. These are like direct descendants of De La Soul, man. 
and Dave, man. I mean, shout out to Paz, shout out to Mace. Um, because Paz, I mean, they both were just so complimentary of each other as well. Like they were just on that same frequency. They both was dope, two different vocal tones, but they both had that unorthodox style and they each had some their own uniqueness to to their shit man oh i'm sorry to 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 just hear about this because i feel like you know 54 is young man i'm 54 you know what i mean and it's like when shit like this happens everybody now has that's in this age bracket has to be self-reflective of themselves where they're at health wise and you know what i mean we all know that you know one thing about life nobody gets out alive um but the trick is to see how long you can survive you know um so we want to live a long life you know 54 to me seems middle-aged you know it doesn't seem like the time to be passing away, you know, but from, from what I understand, you know, the brother definitely was uh, suffering some medical issues for a few years now. Um, and I think he may have, you know, I mean, he definitely succumbed to whatever his issues were. Uh, he's going to be sorely missed by um the hip-hop community i'm not sure when his service is going down um but hopefully you know i'll be able to make it but rest in power to true goy the dove de la soul plug two Dave Jolia Claire. I hope I said I, I'm a, his family's Haitian. You know what I mean? I'm not really sure I'm saying his last name properly. So forgive me. But um, yeah, Dave. Whew, definitely gonna be missed. He always was a humble, quiet dude. You know what I mean? Um, but I definitely, you know, like you could even see in some of these pictures where, you know, he's definitely looking kind of heavy, um, in some of these pics. So I tell y'all, man, we got to really, you know, pay attention to our weight, pay attention to everything. Cause like I told you, they're bombarding us with poisons from every angle. And the main one they're, they're doing it with is with food. So please, please, you know what I mean? We're doing everything we could to escape getting shot and shit like that, but then we're eating, you know, fucking cheese doodles and shit like that, processed fucking foods and shit like that. It's funny, I was watching the first 48 the other day, and I, I noticed, you know, 
as a way to try to get these guys to open up in the interrogation room, they'll give these motherfuckers like a water or a soda and a bag of chips. Cheese doodle. And, and, and I feel like that little giving them chips makes them feel like, hey, I did, did you a favor. Like, you know what I mean? But really, they're giving them poison in that moment. You know? They're giving them fucking some shit to fuck them up, thinking that they're giving them a treat that will hopefully get them to say some shit. Just thought about it. It's just, ah, it's kind of deep. Well, my condolences goes out to his family, to the whole De La Soul family, Pasta News, Mace, fucking Smiley. Um, yeah, everybody, man. Everybody that loved the brother, um, that was touched by his music, by his lyrics. Um, you know what's so sad? It's crazy that it seems like De La Soul just got it to where their music is now on streaming platforms or it's about to be released on streaming platforms. Um, I mean, and this was something they were fighting for for years. Um, they didn't want their stuff up there. And finally they came to whatever um, resolution with the record company. And yeah, they, I mean, they had just announced that um, this was happening. And then he passes away. I mean, I don't know if it's a case of, listen, you know, I'm going to stay around till, till I see the fight is won. And once the fight is won, I'm out, you know. Um, but it's it's just definitely, or is it the case of, you know, I don't want to start putting shit in the air, but it, you know, they just won something. Is somebody mad? Is somebody mad? They try to, uh, I don't want to speculate. I'm just saying. Rest in peace. True goy. Ah, okay. Well, listen, I think, uh, I think I covered in, uh, enough stuff for today. Uh, I want to shout out my guest, Luke Steffen. Thank you for coming by, brother. I want to thank all my people in the chat. Shout out Truly Zambian. Um, doing the moderation. Um, yeah. Shout out to all my regulars in the house. Shout out to everybody that donated. Everybody that hit with the super sticker. Appreciate you. Um, today's Tuesday. So, you know what? I might fuck around and come back again. I don't know. Tomorrow or Thursday. Let me see what's up. Um, but yeah, man. I love and appreciate y'all for coming through once again 
If you haven't subscribed to the channel, make sure you do so. Click that notification bell and click all. Once again, for the Godcast, I am Lord Jamal. And y'all have a great evening. Rest of your week. And I'm going to see y'all later. Peace.